Hi, we're Sam and Bridget, and you're listening to A Walk Across Texas State. Our guest today is Bruce Howard. You may know him as a career advisor for McCoy College of Business. He's also the internship coordinator for the university and has 20 years experience in recruiting and workforce development. He also happens to be one of our favorite people, and we think he'll be one of your faves too. Hey, Bruce. Hi. <laughs> hey. So, um, obviously, I know that you are the career advisor for McCoy College of Business, but I also think it's really cool that you're an alum of Texas State, and if I'm not correct, I believe you also played basketball here at Texas State. No, that's one of the fun things about me. I tell people that oh. to see if they really believe it, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's oh, like, uh, no, yeah. <laughs> You know, it, no, no basketball. My okay. my father was a star basketball player. Or actually, played oh. under Coach Jowers, but really? I didn't get any of that. I was just all drummer and business guy. Okay, well, that's still an interesting <laughs> mix, drummer and business guy. That's it. Did yeah. you play music during college? I didn't. No, I I when I came up here, I was faced with a choice of either focusing on on music as my major or business as my major. And so I picked business and left music behind and stopped playing drums and just gave it up. So, do you play them now? Yeah, on the desk and <laughs> on the filing cabinet. And, you know, anytime I can, and, you know, antagonize somebody with my pencil pounding. But um, no, I don't, I don't officially play drums anymore. Okay. So, why'd you pick business over music then? Yeah. Uh, like probably 90% of the people that are at college, my mother, <laughs> you know, she said, um, well, yeah, yeah, you can major in music and just be poor and starve to death and be hungry, or you can major in business and probably make a lot of money. And I said, okay, that sounds pretty good. I like that. And plus, I'd taken bookkeeping in high school, and I thought, well, this is a good fit for me. So that was an easy sale. Yeah, bookkeeping, accounting, per se, I'm just going to major in that. Done. So it's interesting. So it sounds like on a certain level, you followed, uh, you know, the the pragmatic thing instead of maybe the passion thing, uh, which maybe we'll talk a little bit more about. But I think that's kind of interesting. Do you think that's generational? Mm. Like, do you think that's just that's what people did? They followed the pragmatic. That plan? yeah, to you said the right word that they mm. did. I think the previous generations, it, we did that. We were we weren't. We weren't expecting to get pleasure from our careers. Mm. We were looking at it as a job. It's, this is work. And the world of work and the scope of work, as we know it today, has changed where people want to embrace a little bit more, uh, not only variety, but a little bit more feeling in what they do. And and that's, I think, how the whole the whole concept of trying to find your passion came about. You know, over the course of the last 50 years, we've seen a lot of change and a lot of economic upheaval. And, and so people's attitude and perceptions change with those types of situations. Mm. So, yeah, we didn't, we, we, you know, we never saw a, a foosball table in an office setting. <laughs> I mean, that was like, what? You know, we barely had one at the bar down the street. So you, you sure you didn't see that in your, in your mm. building? That's interesting. Like, I've, number one, like, do you think one is, more right like over the other and number two that's interesting to think about like what maybe changed those things and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on 
what changed that? Yeah, the, the the change came about just as a result of the of the change in in the whole economic base of the world and the United States. I mean, we're now in what many agree is the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah. And any student of history can go back and find a lot of similarities between what happened in the late 1800s with the first industrial revolution and the change in the socioeconomic behavior of people. You know, all kinds of things started happening. You know, they <laughs> thought the world was coming to an end, you know. So, you you know, there's nothing has has changed except that change is constant. And, yeah. and so... You know, when things like that happen, it affects people and perceptions. And no, one way is not the right way. There is no right, one right way. You know, the right way is your way. And and people today are searching, I think, for more completeness in their lives. And they're having to deal with the impact of technology and and a lot of still standard stuff. You know, it's still about what you do with your life and where you go and there's no question it, it would be great if we could all just find those perfect career positions, but it's truly a journey. You have to experience things, and then, yeah, you can look back, and it's like, that made sense now, but mm-hmm. at the time, it may not. Tell us a little bit about your journey and those things that didn't make sense at the time, but now you look back and you see. Yeah. One of the biggest changes for me, and I'll, I can still remember it, was leaving accounting. You know, I started as an accountant with this energy company, and about four years into it, I got a chance to move out of that world into the management world and operations world. And I remember being so afraid to leave that security blanket of what I thought I was going to be dependent upon, Mm -hmm. but I did, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made, both for my career and my, you know, my personal life, because it it started preparing me, little did I know, for a chance to use those experiences to do what I do now, and that's coach students on how to manage their careers. Because I've re-engineered my career several times, many times, Mm -hmm. and so I can say that, yeah, I've done that. I've been there, and I experienced it, and, you know, so learning the, taking those lessons and sharing those and helping others with it, um, hopefully will just expedite the success of their journey. If you could go back, would you still pick to start in accounting? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I'm i still very bullish on that as a discipline for any business career because it's the language of business. And when you understand that piece of the economic world, then it really puts you in an advantageous position where you can do yeah. so many other things. So, yeah, I would. I'd do it all over again. So maybe a little bit of a tangent, but I'm curious about when you were kind of top dog in some of the companies you worked for, what's like some of the coolest experiences you had on that level? Um, It was a great ride and I've got to a lot of, had a chance to do a lot of cool things. I think one of the, one of the first things that was pretty uh, significant was the very first time I'd ever flew in an airplane. It was on a private jet. So, you know, most people like would fly on a commercial airline or somewhere or go something. Well, the first time I did, I actually uh, took a trip on a Learjet. And so that was pretty neat. Where'd you go? Mm -hmm. I went to Kentucky. 
<laughs> Fancy. Went to, yeah, went to Kentucky. Yeah, the destination was a little different, but, you know, <laughs> um, we had coal mines out in the uh, Kentucky, and I was working at the time still in the accounting department. And so we had to go out there and do inventory and audits and some stuff. So I got to do that. Um, I did a lot of business in the Far East. So did a lot of business with the Japanese trading companies. And one time I got to go to Tokyo to negotiate a, renegotiate a contract. And they invited me to spend the weekend in a area south of Tokyo called Hakone. And it's this beautiful forest that is just green and lush, and it's at the foot of Mount Fiji, kind of. And it was such a, a wonderful retreat. No phones, no TV, no electronics. We had a traditional meal that night. So there's a fun picture somewhere, me in a kimono. So, <laughs> well, it's not a kimono. It looks like way, but it's, it's actually called a yukata. So anyway, did that. I got to uh, got to go to Trinidad one time and negotiate a purchase contract with the Trinidadian State Oil Companies and uh, had a fun evening in the bar with some of the colleagues and kind of had a good time with rum punch. So that you know that, <laughs> that was kind of crazy and fun. Um, I I myself along with another colleague opened an office in Singapore and so we were exposed to the whole. Um, the whole process of feng shui to design our office. We we didn't know anything about that. And, of course, our, some of our clients there said, well, you better get a feng shui consultant to set up your office. And we're like, wow. what? You know? And they go, yeah, well, if you don't, we're not coming. Hmm. So, you know, we learned about that. And <laughs> Do you still that, use it, feng shui? Fe, yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we just take, I'll just take my chances. <laughs> I don't have an aquarium in my office anyway, so I'm okay. <laughs> You have to be careful where you put water, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was cool. It was a it was a great ride. I was uh, the general manager of an international trading group in Houston when I was thirty one. Wow! And we what were. What are we doing, Bridget? Yeah. <laughs> I missed my opportunity in life. We, <laughs> we were doing a lot of deals, a lot of business. I mean, I had four guys and myself, and one year we did about a billion dollars in gross revenues. Wow. Wow. And no internet, no cell phones. All it was was traditional landlines. Mm-hmm. So that meant getting up in the middle of the night, calling Japan, yeah. closing down early to call London, you know. And everybody was in the same place as far as technology, so... So that, that seems kind of, I don't know, I don't know if luxurious is the word I'm looking for, but it seems glamorous. That's probably what the word I'm looking for. So it seems super glamorous and yet, you know, not that career services isn't glamorous, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I'm not getting up in the middle of the night to talk to Japan. So ultimately you ended up here and in the field of career. So I guess I think maybe students might be motivated by the glamour of a position or maybe money, which is not wrong, but it, it sounds like you kind of switched directions. So what created that shift? Yeah, well, you know, the big part of the shift was involuntary. You know, I had to shift. I'd made a personal decision to stay in San Antonio, and, and so I had to find an opportunity that I could use my skill set for 
So I was building those skills that I use today and didn't realize yet how I was going to apply them. Mm. Um, glamorous, sure, but what what's missing from the story, I guess, was the expectation for results. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And had we not been successful in performing, basically mm-hmm. generating profits for the company, I uh, doubt the glamour would have been there. Mm-hmm. So it's a... You know, it, it's a no risk, no reward kind of thing. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. but but students have to have to find that balance. I mean, it's important to look for what is important to you, yeah. and if it is, you know, then how can you really do it? You know, mm-hmm. I I'm sorry, but everybody can't you know do everything. I think sometimes people say, well, you can do whatever you want to do. Well, I think you can do whatever your skills fit for, right? Right. And I mean, kind of like that idea of like what you were touching on too. And I think this is also like what you're, what you're saying is, is yes, understanding what you value and then also understanding and accepting where your skills lie. And yeah. yeah. And, and so you, you test and modify, adjust and, and use and, mm-hmm. until you, you know, and so the so the skills I'm using that the skills I use then for that commercial success were the same that I use now to teach students about having success for themselves. I mean, it's communication, and that's what it was. That was a common thread. I wasn't such a great salesperson. I mean, mm-hmm. it was more that I knew how to connect with people from any culture, any walk of life, any diverse background, and that's who we all are. And I, I think if we invest time in learning how to communicate effectively with each other, we'd have a lot more success in the world. Well, a student has to master that to some degree, that skill of, of okay, who am I? Mm-hmm. What am I? What do I want? Where do I want to go? Blah, blah, blah. So that's the, the common thread is communication. And everybody's different. There's similarities in all of us, but everybody's different. So you've got to find that frequency, if you will, to communicate with your target audience so they can hear you clearly. Hopefully this is a good wrap-up question. We'll find out. Something that I'm always watching are people who particularly engage well with our student workers and then students just in general. For example, we know that your calendar is always super booked out with students who are definitely engaged with you, you can max out a classroom pretty easily. You always have a captive audience with students. And so I kind of want to, I guess, understand or learn more about your passion for students and your ease of communicating with them. Um, Because, you know, like we like to joke a lot, there is a generational difference. Yet, I've heard students say, but Bruce is cool. You know, so what makes you cool? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I think Bruce is cool. Very cool, yes. <laughs> um, I, I go to them. I meet students on their side. I don't ask them to come to my side. I go to their side. I go, I go to them to embrace who they are, to learn who they are, to understand, I, because I like that. I enjoy knowing deeply about someone because when I have that, I then know how to best communicate with you so that you understand me and that I also know how to get the best out of you. I think one of the things I've been uh, complimented on from students is 
you make me feel confident. You make me feel like I can really do it. Mm. And and I do that out of sincerity because, yeah, I you can. I know you can. And I think a, a lot of my success has come because I know how to help a person maximize their skills and their strengths. And I, I'm not afraid to tell you. I mean, people want leadership. They want mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. And the many times I've been in a, in a coaching situation where a student say, well, well what, do you, what do you think about this? What do you think I ought to do? You know? And a lot of people go, oh, I don't know. You, know that's your, you need to find your path and blah, blah, blah. blah. Well, you know what? No. I, I tell you straight up, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Or do this or yeah. whatever, yeah. okay? And I, I draw upon my personal life and my experiences mm-hmm. to, to feel the confidence in being able to tell them that. But the big reason is because I go to them. I cross mm-hmm. to them. I, I don't expect them to come to my side. It's not about me. It's mm-hmm. about them. And it, it's their turn. And it's nothing better for me than to, to help them have that success. And I don't do it for them, but... I teach them ways that they can do it themselves and they don't even know they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's what they think is cool is because they're <laughs> like, holy cow, I got that job. I didn't even know I could get that job, but I got that job. And I said, of course you did, because I have the confidence in you and I build your confidence up. People need that. They want that. That's one of the most important personal characteristics you can have. And when you have a chance to, that I, I have to see that in these students, it's so easy for me to get excited about it. That's why I get so jazzed up and happy about it. And I think that, that helps me give them that success that is so important to them. I've got a few mementos in my office that, that students have given me, and one that's special is for a young lady that had just started her career in New York, and it's a little plaque that says um, that kind of the definition of inspire. And so she brought that to me, and she said, you know, because of you, I had the confidence to do it. Mm. And she did it. And she was so scared, and she wasn't going to pull it off. But I got her there. Mm. So... That's why I do it. A Walk Across Texas State is produced and edited by Zachary Webb and student producer Zach Blue. Music by Richard Hall. For free resources and additional information about our services, head over to careerservices.txstate.edu and follow us on social media at TXSTCareers. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.